where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't know. A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Redskins, your daily podcast on the Washington Redskins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Redskins. I'm your host, Zach Hicks, as always, and this is my favorite episode of the week. I love the weekly mailbags, and I'm finally joined by someone, Steve Seifert, one of my favorite guys on Twitter. I write with him on Breaking Football. He is excellent, so give him a follow. Steve, how's it going, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you, Zach. Yeah, of course, man. I've been wanting to get you on for a while now. I'm just trying to get established myself. So really excited to have you on. Tell everybody where they can follow you on Twitter and where you write for. You guys can follow me on Twitter at, at SteveDraft underscore, where I throw out some hot takes, draft takes, Redskins takes, Wizards, you name it. And you can follow my work at BreakingFootball.com. I usually pick up a lot of writing stuff there during the draft season, like scouting reports and some other stuff. So that's where you can find me. So now that we are in the NFL season, though, what are you writing about for Breaking Football? Which number one thing, Redskins or fantasy draft or other stuff? What are you, what are you more like more writing for this year? I've been I've been doing some daily fantasy content, but not as much as I anticipated, just because of the work schedule. But I do write some daily fantasy content, and the direct messages on Twitter are always open for you know sports betting and fantasy talk, which I'll talk about football, and fantasy, and betting all day. So yeah, definitely, guys, be sure to go follow Steve for all of his all of his betting and his fantasy stuff. I definitely go on there. I, I've won a little bit of money because of Steve. So I'm very grateful for that, Steve. So again, this is my favorite edition of the week. I love the weekly mailbag, and I'm so glad to have Steve on with me. So Steve, I will be your first person to ask a question this week. How come the Redskins are not playing Josh Doxson enough? I don't understand it. You don't understand it. Please help me try to make sense of this. I think they're just trying to ease him into a role, but over the past recent weeks, it looks like his snap count percentage has been dropping, so I'm kind of puzzled and baffled by it as well. I don't really have a real answer other than maybe they're afraid to disgruntle Pryor, or they really like Ryan Grant that much, or they just don't want to get Doxton injured. So I guess Gruden, you know, kind of had a little coach speak this week, said he's going to play some more at the X, and we should see a snap count rise. I'm hoping to see that as well, just like a lot of the fans are. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, we, we looked at it for last week. Josh Doxson only played 26% snaps in week five or week six, whatever that was. I have no clue why that is. Do you think Doxson is the most talented receiver on this roster? I love Crowder. I love Thompson. I love Pryor and his upside for who he is. But yeah, Doxson is, to me, by far the best receiver, most talented receiver, and has the most upside of anybody on this team, especially in the red zone. You don't have to force feed him targets. I mean, this this guy has the potential to be one of the more efficient receivers in the NFL, and he just needs more snaps. Give him 60, give him 70, and let's go from there. Exactly, exactly. I'm completely with you there. So I actually have one more question for you. I didn't even brief you on this question before, so I'm going to surprise you with it. I'm going to ask this of almost everybody who comes on who does any draft work. What was your take on Monte Nicholson during the draft, and why were you wrong? Well, me and you, <laughs> me and you, me and you have discussed this one before. 
I only watched the junior tape of Monte Nicholson, and I watched it through Malik McDowell. I watched two games, and he was athletic, but he played soft, which is the complete opposite of what's going on right now. The guy is a savage. From what I understand, if you watch his sophomore tape and some of his freshman tape out there, he was playing like a savage. So it leads me to believe he was playing injured his junior year. I'll take the loss, especially since he's a Redskin. The guy has range, can play both safety positions. I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I was just messing with you. I, I love Monte Nicholson. That's going to be my question for everybody who comes on. And yeah, well, I, was... li- I, I listened to the Locked on Eagles podcast before I came on here, so I knew that question was coming. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you can do a little bit of research and be ready for my que- my <laughs> surprise question there. Uh, yeah, but I love Monte Nicholson. Again, like what you said, if you just watched his uh, sophomore tape, you could see the aggression there. He had a that, so- that shoulder issue was really bugging him his junior year, and he's really shown big improvement so far in the NFL, and I couldn't be more happy. I know a lot of Redskins fans could be more happy either. Yeah, you nailed that one, Zach, so props to you. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I missed on Kaya, so I need to take some credit when it comes to Monte <laughs> Nicholson. <laughs> well, I missed on Kaya, too, so I'm in that boat. Yeah, I'm glad you're with me here, Steve. I've been getting a lot of flack for this, especially from John and Mike and the rest of the Eagles guys out there, so I'm glad you're with me on this one. <laughs> So to jump into our next big news and our next big question here, with Jonathan Allen out for the year, how much does this hurt the Redskins' playoff chances down the stretch? I mean, it hurts us as a unit, but as far as like you know, moving the needle as far as wins and losses, I don't really think it does that. I mean, we're going to need some guys to step up, obviously. It's going to hurt the production of Ioannidis, Smith, Kerrigan, even. But, I mean... If you were projecting this team to be a 10-win team, I don't think you should move the needle at all just because we lost Jonathan Allen. Dude's a great player. He's a team player. But for me, I don't. I think we, the playoff chances are the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly with you there. I think Allen is a big loss. But to be fair, is he even like a top-five player on this defense right now? Like, I nice the way he's been playing has been great. Norman, I think, is way more valuable than him at this point. Also, guys like Swearinger, Zach Brown. So we do still have a lot of playmakers on this team. Jonathan Allen is definitely a big part of how well this defense is played, but he's not going to kill the chances. So my next question to kind of go with that, though, do you think the Redskins need to look for outside help, though, for the defensive line, or is Lanier the answer? I I know a lot of people like Lanier, and I think it's a perfect fit because he'll only be expected to come in as a three-tech and as a nickel pass rusher. So I don't think they really need to look on the outside, but... A guy that of interest to me is this guy from Denver that was cut yesterday. I don't know how to say his first name. Ataba Rubin. I know I know he had a, a nice stint with Seattle there for a while. He's a solid like base nose tackle. And if you move him, if you bring him in and move him and play 12, 15 snaps a game at base nose tackle, you can move Ziggy outside to like three or five tech where I think he's more comfortable. So. I mean, if you're going to bring somebody in, I think you bring in a nose tackle and then get Ziggy to a more natural position where he can just shoot the gap and come in as a uh, rotational pass rusher. Exactly. The Skins have definitely been missing that, that big run stuff right the middle. Hood has actually played a lot better than what I thought he would, but he is definitely not the size for that position. I agree. To jump into our next question, we actually had a lot of questions this week about Terrell Pryor, so it kind of grows in with our earlier thing about Josh Doxson. So Burgundy and Gold at Jake underscore Ashworth. He's my favorite on mailbags because he asked me 100 questions. I love it. He wants to know, would we trade Terrell Pryor and a pick for Martavis Bryant? No. I Martavis Bryant's checkered history off the field is just enough for me. And then he's complaining about not getting the ball after a win, after a huge win, coming off a huge loss. That's not the type of guy I want in the locker room. 
Olivet, he's like a great receiver, great downfield threat. He's better than Pryor, in my opinion. But, no, we have to just stick with Pryor. And I don't even know what the contract details are on Bryant, so I'm not even sure that would be like a valid trade. Do we give up Pryor in a pick? Pryor is a rental. So I'd have to sit and think about that. But, no, I wouldn't do it. I'd stick with Pryor for now, especially just the whole locker room thing with Bryant. Yeah, for sure. On field, I think Bryant is a better player than Pryor at this point, especially more refined as a receiver. But off field, Bryant's known to be like a quitter. A lot of off things, again, with the marijuana, all the suspensions with that. I, I don't I don't want to touch that. I don't want to go anywhere near Martavis Bryant. Maybe if he came in here on like a one-year deal next year for a really low amount, I would consider it. But besides that, I don't want him in this locker room at all. Yeah, we've done a great job of moving away from that kind of like cultural thing in the locker room where we've had all these, you know, guys going to sources on the outside and complaining. I don't I don't see any need to bring that guy in here. Yeah, the Chris Bakers and the Sean Jacksons and Pierre Garçons, all those kind of guys who would kind of complain and I think Melo hey, Garçon You said it. Yeah, I you mean You said it. Yeah, I mean Garçon Garçon went to uh then he I think he requested a trade last year halfway through the year. So all those kind of guys who complain and weren't big in the locker room, we got a lot of guys who are buying into this team. And so we're not we're not we aren't like the most talented team in the NFL, but we are performing better because we have a lot of guys buying into what we're doing here this year. So Martavis Bryant would not at all apply to that. I agree. Another question about Terrell Pryor, a lot of hypotheticals around Pryor today. Michael Kist at Michael J. Kist, everyone please go follow him on Locked On Eagles. I was actually a guest star on there last night, so Definitely go check out Locked On Eagles. He wants to know, judging from their underperformance this year, who would you rather have, Terrell Pryor or Alshon Jeffrey? That's an easy one for me. I I know you're on the same boat because I listened to the Locked On podcast, Eagles podcast. Alshon Jeffrey, I think he's a tier ahead of Pryor as far as a receiver. I mean, he's a better receiver, and he doesn't really have anybody playing across from him right now. I haven't watched much, much Alshon Jeffrey, so I can't really give an exact opinion, but According to PFF, he really hasn't been playing that bad. The production hasn't really been there for the money. But, I mean, he's a solid receiver. We know what he's capable of when he's healthy. And he's playing on an Eagles team that's been pretty dominant right now. I mean, they've been ahead for the most most or majority of their games and most of the time of possession and all that. So he's not getting peppered with targets. Once we get into games where, you know, if they fall behind or closer, you know, uh, attacks, he, they might have game plan around him and pepper him with targets, and you'll start to see that production come in. Pryor is what he is. I love the deal for $6 million, $7 million, the upside, but he's not on the same tier as uh, Alshon Jeffrey. No, no, not at all. And Jeffrey, I don't think Jeffrey's played terribly either. I think he's been hampered by a couple injuries this year. Wentz is actually doing a great job spreading the ball around, but he's not having the same issues that Pryor is. Pryor's having those body catch problems. He's having the drop problems. He's not running the right routes. It's a big problem right now, and, and it's to the point where we need to play other players over prior, where I don't think Jeffrey is that kind of problem for the Eagles yet. I haven't watched as many games either as the Eagles, so I can't really say for sure, but I don't think Jeffrey's as big a problem for that Eagles team as Pryor is right now for us. He's also had a tough schedule. I mean, he's yeah. you know been across Patrick Peterson, Casey Hayward, Marcus Peters, Josh Norman, and Bashad Breeland. James Bradbury's been shadowing for Carolina, who seems to you know be turning the corner. So it's not like the schedule's going to definitely soften up. I know they get the Broncos soon, but they're going to see a softer schedule here. And you know, Alshon Jeffries on my fantasy team, so I, I do hope they start to pepper him with targets soon. Yeah, he is on one of my fantasy teams too. So I'm kind of hoping. Hopefully, it's a bad week this week for him, but after that, he can he can do whatever. Exactly. 
So we have another question here from Mitch Estrada at MitchTC underscore 34. He wants to know, what's the word on Ryan Anderson? Why isn't he getting a chance to make an impact? I heard Cooley allude to this morning on their show on ESPN 980 that he thinks they drafted Ryan Anderson because of who Ryan Anderson is. He's a football guy. He's a rotational player. He's going to do what's asked of him. He's tough as nails, high character, high football character. He's got that toughness. Fan. It was like a cultural culture pick. They wanted to bring him into the locker room because that's the type of guys they want. This guy's the fourth edge rusher on the team. You know, he, he doesn't really have a role right now, especially with Preston and Kerrigan playing so well. They just can't get him on the field for snaps. He played 24 snaps against Oakland, 40, 48% of the snaps, and he didn't flash at all. But that's not the type of guy he is. He's not a box score player. Even though we don't see it yet, eventually down the road, he's going to be able to fill in as a base defender. He's playing special teams right now. Not a lot of special teams, but he'll start to grow into that role as well. I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I don't think you know they're disgruntled by the way he's played. I know it's a second-round pick. I had a fourth-round value on him. I'm disappointed we took him that high, but eventually down the road, he's going to be you know one of those middle-of-the-pack roster guys, back-end-of-the-roster guys that you need on your team in order to be successful. So, I don't know what's going on with them. There's nothing wrong with them, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm completely with you there. I don't like my my big issue with this question here is who's he going to play over? Do you want him playing over Ryan Kerrigan? Do you want him playing over Preston Smith? Do you want him playing over Junior Gallette? Even I don't want him playing over those guys. Those guys are way more disruptive than him. And I agree with you. He he's going to be a kind of guy who's going to make a roster every year. He's fine. He, there's nothing special about him. He's not going to make the splash plays. I really did have a problem with him going in the second round, too. I had a six-round grade on him. I, I really didn't like that second-round pick at all. I think in the second round, you got to take some shots on some special-type players. And some of the players we passed up for him were just really bad decisions. Like Alvin Kamara was there. Could you imagine him in this backfield with Thompson? Along yeah. with yeah, Carl, Carl Lawson was there as well in that round. So... It was a lot of guys who I figured would be great players who I had like first round grades on where they're in the second round. And we went with a guy who is never really going to be your star player. So I think down the road, again, he'll be fine. He's a rotational type guy, maybe a run stuffer on the edge, but he's never going to be that kind of player who gets you like eight sacks a year or anything like that. He's not that kind of player at all. If uh, if Ryan Kerrigan or Preston Smith were to go down for a game or two, we'll be glad we made that pick. I mean, you can never have enough edge rushers or edge setters i mean this guy is more of a base run defender than he is a edge rusher but we're going to be glad to have him if somebody gets injured here down the road i mean i didn't hate the pick wish we went some somewhere like shadobi awuzie alvin kamara traded up got dalvin cook even uh, awuzie and cook are hurt now too but yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with ryan anderson he is what he is they they draft him for who he is and and we'll see that eventually just it's not going to be anytime soon with the way preston and kerrigan are playing yeah, exactly. If he would have gone like the third or fourth round to the Redskins, I would have been fine. It was just the amount of draft capital we spent on a guy who's a fill-in player at best did kind of rub me the wrong way. But again, there's nothing wrong with him. He is what he is. He's going to be fine. He's he's just he's just a middling player on an NFL roster. That's what he's always going to be in the NFL. Exactly. So our next question here, because I always get one of these questions for every single mailbag. It's from our friend Riley Allman over at Breaking Football at Junior Almanac. He asked, who of this year's draft eligible eligibles at quarterback would you want to see most in a Redskins uniform if Cousins on a new team in the offseason? I mean, I want to keep Cousins. But, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, if that were to happen, I'd like to see Baker Mayfield. I think 
he'd be a good fit in Gruden's West Coast scheme. He's decisive, he's accurate, good read option quarterback, read pass option quarterback, he's good off schedule. I mean, he, he is a, he's a West Coast quarterback. He's like Russell Wilson light, but he can operate off schedule, so he doesn't have to be decisive. And, and he'd bring that element that, you know, we are kind of missing with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins makes some plays with his legs, but he's not as good as, uh, you know, not as good as you want him to be off schedule. And Baker Mayfield would add like a completely different dynamic to this offense as well fit in to what Kirk Cousins was doing. But best case scenario, we keep Kirk Cousins around for a long time. Yeah, I, I definitely laugh at these questions every time I get them, and I always bite into them, I always answer them. But yeah, I mean, I want Kirk Cousins. You and I are big Kirk Cousins fans. That's always something that I will be... Yeah, uh, I always... it's, it's, a hy- it's a hypothetical that you really don't want to answer. Cause, and you know it's not going to happen. I mean, look, we're 3-2 and two right now. We'd have to go 8-8 eight and eight again for this guy to leave. I think if we win 9, 10 games, 11 games, like even like I think we're going to do, I think it's a hypothetical that's not even going to come close to happening. I mean, even if we go 8-8 eight and eight and he throws for, what, 4,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, whatever like that, and you see the lack of production at the receivers, like how can you really blame that on him and how do you just walk away from that? It's like, it, it's hard. I, I wouldn't walk away from Kirk, but like you said, Baker Mayfield is definitely a guy I like, especially because, like you said, he can offer he can operate off script like better than most of these young guys. Like Darnold does struggle a lot with that. Josh Rosen struggles a lot with that. I think Mayfield brings that to the table that a lot of these young guys don't. And I don't think Mayfield's going to take the amount of draft capital that these other guys will. I think Mayfield will be like a second-round pick because of his size, because he likes to go off script too much. And I think I would love to take a a player in the second round because I think we have a big need at running back and nose tackle that we need to address in the first round. So if we can get a guy like Mayfield in the second who can just come in and completely change the dynamic of this offense and it wouldn't be a huge drop-off from Kirk, I'm completely fine with that. But again... Kirk Cousins is my guy. I don't want to replace him. I love Kirk. I would pay him almost anything at this point. Let's just keep him around. I agree. I definitely agree there. All right. So this next one is actually for my grandfather. So big shout out to my grandfather for listening, like always. he. I'm going to actually read this whole thing here because I do like it and it's praising me a little bit. So I do love getting my praise here. He says, first, I'd like to say I love your podcast. It's a must listen to for all Redskins fans, especially lifelong ones like me appreciate it <laughs> but he says with all the absurd talk about where Kirk Cousins might play next year do you think if CJ Beathard continues to play well that at least San Fran will stop being mentioned I think so yeah I mean maybe they drafted CJ Beathard to groom and trade one day too though just like Shanahan told Kirk Cousins I mean I guess I, I don't know it's just one of those hypotheticals and everybody uses it as a talking point during the Redskins games Kyle Shanahan really going to pass up a guy like Rosen, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson on a cheaper contract for Kirk Cousins? I don't think so. So, I mean, regardless of how C.J. Beathard plays, I don't think Kirk Cousins is going out there anyways. I think if, if they're picking in the top five for sure, Josh Rosen is a perfect fit for him. I think Josh Rosen has the accuracy that, that Shanahan likes, and I think he can. he's actually mobile enough for him too. I, I really don't see how he passes on a Rosen or even a Darnold type that's there in the top five. So, yeah. If they're, if they're unless they're picking like 10 or 11th in this draft, which I don't see them doing, uh, I don't really see them t- like going all out for Kirk Cousins either. Yeah, Rosen and uh, Shanahan kind of got like the same ego too. Like they don't care. It's like like they don't care what outside people think. It's like play football. It's kind of weird. They would be a perfect match. Yeah, they they definitely be fun together. My grandfather also asked another question here. He didn't praise me before this one, so I'm a little upset about that. But he <laughs> he, he asked. He said, I love Ryan Kerrigan as a pass rusher. I do not like him in pass coverage. 
It looks very odd seeing him in pass coverage. Plus, I've never seen him actually defend a pass. Well, he did have a pick six earlier this year, but that was on a tip ball. <laughs> anyway, he said, turn him loose on the quarterbacks. What's your thoughts on Ryan Kerrigan in pass coverage? I mean, it's it's part of being a 3-4 outside linebacker. You have to be able to drop in pass coverage. But, I mean, we pay the guy to rush the passer. Let him go after it and get it. I mean, that's part of the thinking where a lot of people think we should just run a base 4-3 because Preston and Kerrigan, although they can drop a little bit, they're better suited as, you know, 4-3 edge rushers. So, yeah, I agree. I don't like seeing them drop either. But when you're in base, I guess that's just something you have to do as a 3-4 outside linebacker. He does look kind of stiff. I mean, he's definitely lost a step in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, he's, but he's, still, he's still effective, but he's definitely he doesn't look pretty out in space for sure. Yeah, I mean, he was never pretty out in space, but he's definitely lost a little bit. That kind of happens with age and injuries. But, uh, yeah, I, I do not drop him in coverage. Like, come on. I know it's part of the gimmick that, you, that these, these defense corners like to get. They like to get cute. And Minuski, I'm not, I'm not doubting Minuski at all here because I don't think he does it as much as other defensive corners have because I think Justin Houston this year has dropped back in coverage 48% of passing snaps for, for the Chiefs. Like, I don't know what's going on with that one. My whole thing here is just defensive coordinators – I don't understand why they are. They just drop these elite rushers or really good rushers into coverage. Just rush the passer. You need to get home. The bit, the biggest part about a defense is getting pressure on the quarterback. We've seen that this year with Ioannidis and Allen with how disrupted they've been up the middle, how much help it has been for our defense. So I really don't understand dropping back guys like that into coverage. Even Ryan Anderson and Trent Murphy, you don't want to see those guys dropping coverage either. I mean, if we think Kerrigan's bad dropping in coverage, uh, Ryan Anderson will look ugly dropping into coverage. Yeah, for sure. Ryan Anderson is not even the athlete that Kerrigan is, so I yeah, that would be really bad. Yeah. The last question to kind of bring it up, this one's again just going to be from me here to you. What do you think about our new kicker, Nick Rose? Or, in my kind of question for it, are kickers even relevant enough to talk about? Kickers are people. They're football players. They're important, too. And, you know, at first I kind of looked at it and I was like, what are we doing? This guy barely made 70% of his college field goals. But when you dig deep into it, you look at it. There's not a lot of guys that have, you know, a pedigree on the market right now that you can get. I mean, kickers are hard to come by. You know, I, I've trashed Dustin Hopkins recently, but you know what? In a couple weeks, we might actually miss him because this guy, Rose, is only, he's, you know, he's not even, he doesn't have any NFL experience really outside of the preseason where he went five for eight, which isn't very good. He nailed a 55 yarder. That's cool. He missed an extra point in one of the preseason games out of eight attempts, and he made 70% of his college field goals, which I would have to assume is below average because guys like Young Ho Koo hit like 88% at Notre Dame, Aguayu 88%, something ridiculous like that. So, I mean, I'm not feeling too comfortable going into Monday night with this guy as their kicker. However, this Kansas City Chiefs guy, he was a rookie. He made 73 or 74% of his field goals in college, and he's looked good so far. So you never know. But I, it really opened my eyes, man. Kickers are important, and there's not a lot of guys on the open market. I mean, the Mike Nugent guy, he, he's been terrible the yeah. last couple of years. I didn't even realize how bad he had been. No, I remember. So, I mean, I remember this may Nugent. have truly been the best option. No, I remember Nugent a couple years ago. I played against him in fantasy with somebody, and I think Nugent went 0 for 5 kicking field goals in one game and won me a fantasy matchup because Nugent went 0 for 5. Oh, uh, yeah, he's had a couple of those 0 for 3, 0 for 4, 0 for 5 games. I mean, yeah, and a lot of Hopkins misses were uh, from 50 plus. I mean, I saw a stat today like 68% of the NFL kickers make them from 50 plus, and Hopkins is at like 38%. <laughs> I mean, that's not good. 
But if that's all he's really missing and he's missing a couple extra points, I think in a couple weeks we might actually miss Hopkins, which is kind of bizarre to me. I didn't realize the market was really that bad. I feel like the main reason they, they signed this guy, I think they realized that they're, ki- they're going to have kicker problems with whoever they sign. So they just signed a guy with a big leg who can get those touchbacks that Hopkins was because Hopkins right. was fifth in the <laughs> NFL in touchbacks. So they I guess they believe this guy will at least get touchbacks on the kickoffs. But, yeah, we, we do have a problem at kicker. I hate kickers. I don't want to talk about kickers, honestly. Like, they're just such head cases. I mean, anything, any given week you could have a guy who's the top kicker in the NFL just turn into the worst kicker in the NFL. That's why I really just don't like the position. It's impossible to scout, impossible to watch, and I really just don't like it. But again, it, it is a part of football, and you do need someone consistent there. And Hopkins was at least somewhat consistent until, you know, crunch time or extra points randomly in games. So, I mean, we will probably miss Hopkins a little bit here. I, I really hope this guy becomes a big surprise like that Bucker dude in in Kansas City. We also uh, have an offensive-minded head coach, man. He's probably like, we don't need a kicker. We don't need a running back. We got a quarterback receiver, and I can scheme these guys open. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I think we're going to miss Hopkins, though, and I'm surprised I'm actually saying that right now. I don't know, man. I mean, with Jay Gruden, with our red zone struggles, I really hope Jay Gruden doesn't go for it on fourth down every time. That would be horrible. <laughs> Us in the red zone kind of go for it on fourth down. We'd probably get shut out every game. I know. Yep. Exactly. We have to get those Vernon Davis 50-yard touchdowns that randomly come in there, and that'll be our only points that we score throughout the rest of the year. I want to get a uh, Fitbit heart rate monitor to check my heart rate when this guy walks out and tries to kick a field goal on Monday night this week. Man, I bet you it spikes like crazy. Man, I mean, it can't be worse than Hopkins whenever like, there'd be like a clutch kick at the end of a game. I'd have my heart rate like flying up. I'm like, oh, God, here it comes. Like the Bengals game in London and the extra point even the other day. It's like, come on, Hopkins. But again, Hopkins is probably better than whatever this guy is going to be. So I can't. I guess I can't really attack Hopkins right now. Exactly. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's show of Locked on Redskins. I want to give a big thanks again to Steve. Everyone go follow him at SteveDraft underscore. Any last words, Steve? No, thanks a lot for having me, Zach. Had a blast. I listened to, I've been listening to the podcast, you know, a couple times a week over the past few weeks. Man, you're doing a great job, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Hey, anytime you want to come on, just message me, and we'll we'll get you on. Maybe do some more mailbag questions here. Sounds good, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys, be sure to tune in tomorrow as I will have my co-host from Breaking the Draft at John Valencia. Go follow him on Twitter at John Valencia. Again, he is one of my good friends in the industry, so be sure to follow him. And, yeah, he'll be on tomorrow as we will trash talk the Eagles quite a bit. Hopefully the Redskins come away with a big win this weekend. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.